Good morning. How's everybody doing? Didn't the band sound great? I mean, I think they sounded awesome. Actually, when I stand there while they're singing, those of you that come here regularly, you know I sing sometimes. and I'm like dying to rush the stage and start singing with them. But uh, I guess I just needed to say that. Um, summer's almost over. Can I hear like a, ah, you know, I guess the students feel that way. Parents are excited. They're going back to school, right? Um, I'm going to do a little something and I need some audience participation. Are you guys ready to participate? So I'm going to kind of talk about what people like to do in the summer. And if this is something you like to do in the summer or that you've done or that you did with your family or maybe you remember doing, I just want you to cheer. All right. So let's practice cheering. One, two, three. All right. So we're going to start. All right. If I say something you like or that you've done before, just cheer. In the summer, people like to go to the beach. People like to go on road trips. People like to go fishing. Some people like to go snorkeling or diving. Yeah, it's getting lower and lower. People like to go to Disney. Or to water parks. People like to go camping. Not that many camping fans. Let me tell you about the first time I went camping. All right, I was about 16 years old. Um, I was dating Leilani, who's now my wife. And her parents invited me to go on a camping trip. I show up at her house one day, and they're like, hey, do you want to go camping with us? And I said, sure. But here's the thing. My only reference to camping, the only thing I knew about camping is what I had seen on Yogi Bear. All right? Okay, so I, I knew nothing about camping, you know? I just knew Yogi Bear, and that's pretty much it. And so the day finally arrives. And um, like any 16-year-old kid, I'm thinking, this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to be able to snuggle with my girlfriend by the campfire, you know, when we go to sleep under the beautiful stars. Like, I'll set up my sleeping bag right next to her sleeping bag and the polyester on our bag will, like, touch. You know what I mean? That was my idea of what this was going to be. But her dad had a completely different idea on how this trip was going to turn out. You see, my, uh, my in-laws now, they only have two kids, two girls. And so... Her dad was thinking, I'm going to bring this guy and he's going to do all the work. Okay, because usually he's the one that does all the work. And so when we get there, he's like, all right, we got to set up the camp. And we set up the camp. We got to clean things up, get the rocks out. And we got to cut wood. We got to start the fire. We got to set up all the tents. We got to cook. We got to, you know, do all these things. We got to serve. We got to do all the stuff, you know, because men are the ones that go camping. And so we did all that. We ate. And then he's like, all right, we got to clean up. And I'm like, dude, man, like this guy doesn't stop. Can't we just clean up in the morning? That's what I asked, you know. And he's like, no, we got to clean up at night because if we don't clean up, the animals are going to come into the camp. And I'm like, what? Animals? Nobody said anything about animals. I'm like, what kind of animals? And he's like, I don't know, bears, Florida panthers, snakes, raccoons, possums, rats. Let me just say, I left the place spotless, okay? It was real clean. And as we, when I was done cleaning, I mean, I was exhausted. And we had to make sure that we didn't leave any, like, food or anything that smelled like food. And so we cleaned everything up. And as I'm done, I'm putting the last bag of garbage o- away. And I see my girlfriend going into her tent, waving goodnight to me. And the last thing I hear is, like, the zipper of her tent going, Whoop. and then her dad looks at me and says, you're sleeping in here with me. All right, so, so much for my romantic camping experience. 
And so I grab my sleeping bag and I get into the tent and I'm trying to fall asleep and I can't. I'm sleeping on the floor inside of a bag. I was sleeping in a waterbed in my house. Anybody ever have a waterbed? All right, I was sleeping on my waterbed and now I'm sleeping on top of rocks. and I can't get comfortable. And then all of a sudden I hear the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. It sounded something like this. And I'm like, what? What is that? And I wake her dad up and I'm like, there's an animal outside. There's something out there. I don't, I don't know what it is. And he's like, I don't hear anything. Go back to sleep. And so I'm like, all right. And I'm a little scared. And I'm trying to fall asleep. And as I'm about to fall asleep, I hear it again. And, I'm like, and I start looking. And I found out that the bear was her dad. It was him snoring. This guy snored so loud that like everything shook. All right. And, and I'm trying to fall asleep for what seemed like hours. And I gave up. I'm like, forget it. I can't sleep in here with this bear, with this animal. And so I go outside. I grab my sleeping bag and I'm trying to see. I mean, it's pitch black. I'd never been anywhere. It was this dark. I, I grew up in the cities of Hialeah where everything's lit nice and bright. So you don't steal anything at night. Right. And so, um, and so I'm trying to, and I, and I see this table, you know, it's part of like the campground, you know, it's wooden table and, and, and I go to the table and I set myself up up there. I zip myself up. I had one of those sleeping bags. You could zip the whole thing up. So I'm like in this thing, like a burrito. All right. And I fall asleep and, and I'm thinking as I'm in this burrito and I'm thinking like, man, why didn't I do this earlier? It's cool out here. I hear the little crickets chirping. It's awesome. I fall asleep. Right. And then in the middle of the night. I start hearing noises around me and then I start feeling stuff touching me, you know, and, and making noises. And I'm thinking, oh, that's the girls trying to scare me. And so I unzip that thing. It's pitch black. And all I see are these red eyes looking at me, a bunch of little red eyes and snickering. And I start screaming, chupacabra, chupacabra. I'm being attacked by chupacabras. And everybody comes out of their tents and they're like, be quiet. What are you doing? And they're like, it's not a chupacabra, they're raccoons. I'm like, still, it's scary, you know. And so, I'm sure none of you have ever been attacked by a family of chupacabra like me. But we all know what it's like to be under attack. We all, we've all had moments in our life when we felt like people were out to get us, where people were trying to hurt us. Something was harassing us. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's people at work. People at school. But at one point or another in our lives, we've experienced some type of attack. And this is exactly what's happening to the church here in 1 John. As John is writing to the church, it's a church that is under attack. And we've learned that there's people on the outside of the church that are, that are telling the Christians, why, why do you believe in Jesus? He's a fraud. He didn't rise from the dead. Families are now divided. Those that believe in the teachings of Jesus... And now there's people that they used to go to church and now don't go to church anymore. And they're against them. They're trying to tell them, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? You're wasting your time. Children that are telling their parents, dad, stop going to church. Mom, stop going to church. Entire neighborhoods that have turned against the Christians, persecuting them. Telling them, stop eating chicken sandwiches. Not really. But. People, the church is experiencing hostility. And in the middle of all this madness, in the middle of this war zone is where we find ourselves today. 
as we continue in our series that we're calling Real, Authentic Faith in a Fake World. The Apostle John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, is urging the believers to be real Christians. Let's begin reading 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You stop there. Give me your attention. Here's the Apostle John telling the church, I know you're under attack. I know that there's people out there that don't like you. People out there that are mocking you. People out there that are making fun of you. People that are making your life miserable. This is your opportunity to be real. This is your opportunity to be a real Christian. This is your opportunity to be an authentic follower of Jesus. A real Christian. And what does it mean to be a Christian? It's the first feeling in your outline. It's to be christ like it's to be like jesus it's to be like god but before we can be like god we need to know who god is and here we learn that god is love that god loved us even though we didn't deserve it in first john 4 10 we read this is love not that we love god but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins god is love But the reason that so many people don't understand God is because they don't know what love is. They may come to church week after week. You may be here today. But the reason that some people, they just can't really believe in God is because in our day and age, the word love has been completely distorted. You see, in our culture, when we think of the word love, the first thing that pops into people's head is sex. The first thing that comes to our mind and the mind of most people Love and sex are almost synonymous in our culture. I'll give you an example. If you're watching TV or you're watching a movie and a guy says, I love you. Okay, that's code word for let's get naked. Let's get it on. If you're watching the movie with your teenagers and you hear the guy say, I love you. That's a sign to go and cover their eyes because in a couple seconds, they're about to get it on. See, I was a youth pastor here in our church for six years. Awesome. Six years of my life. And I've lost track of time when young teenage girls would come up to me and say, Mark, I'm so sad. My parents hate my boyfriend. And I'm like, well, they must have a good reason not to like your boyfriend. And they're like, no, they don't. They don't. Almost 100% of the time, they don't. And, And I would say, well, does this boy come to church? No, he doesn't come to church, but, but he, he believes in God. You know, he's a nice guy. I'm like, but why do you really like this kid so much? Oh, because he says that he loves me. And I would look at them and say, that kid has no idea what love is. You know what he wants? He wants something from you. That kid wants to see how far he can get with you. He wants to get it on with you. And many times the girls would come back. You know what, Mark? You were right. And it's true. 
This world has no idea what love is. But today we're talking about a different kind of love. The New Testament was written in Aramaic. It's a a dialect from the Greek language. And there's a bunch of different words for the word love in Greek. And, And the word for this type of love that our culture thinks that love is, is is eros. It's where the word erotic comes from. That's what the world thinks that love is. But do you know that in the New Testament, that word doesn't even come up one time? That's not what we're talking about today. Sexual, erotic love, even though that's what the world thinks that love is. The love that we're talking about today is called agape. It's selfless love. It's a feeling in your outline. That's the type of love that God has for us. It's selfless love. And that's the type of love that God is telling us to have with other people. Stop thinking about yourself and love them. It's different than the world's love. A love that's not thinking, I love people that are good to me. I'll treat you good if you treat me good. I'll love you if you love me. People love all kinds of things. I'll give you an example. Who in this room loves donuts? Of course, everybody loves donuts. I actually have a box of donuts. Does anybody, would anybody like a donut? You want a donut, bro? Here. Anybody else want donuts? Billy. Anybody else? Right there, you want a donut? Vic, I'm coming for you. Pretty good, right? Ten points. Anybody else want a donut? All right, bro. Sorry, I almost hit the camera. Who did I hit? The AV guy? I'm sorry about that. Pick it up. There's no food in the auditorium. All right? Who doesn't love donuts? But that's not the type of love that we're talking about. Not the love of donuts. And you're thinking like, wait a minute, Mark. I knew a guy that loved me the way that he loved donuts. You know, he had a little bit of me, and when he was done, he went off to the other donut and the other person. So when he told me he loved me, he didn't really mean it. He loved me the way he loved donuts. When he was done with one donut, he went to the next one in the box. That's not the type of love that Christ has for you. That's not the type of love that we're learning about today. And so the question that we need to ask, okay, Mark, so what is love? There's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to real love. You see, some people think that love is a feeling. How many times have we heard that? Maybe you think that today, that love is a feeling. It's not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. I've heard so many people say, oh, Mark, but you don't understand the way that I feel when I'm with him. The way that I feel when I'm with her. When I gave her that kiss, I had like butterflies in my stomach. When he kisses me, when he's close to me, when he holds my hand... My heart skips a beat. No doubt. Love does cause feelings, but it is not a feeling. Love produces tremendous feelings, but love is not a feeling. It's much more than that. Another misconception is that love is uncontrollable. I just can't control myself, Mark, when I'm with her. I can't control myself when he's with me. I can't handle it. You know, we hear people say, I fell in love. I had no control over it. I can't help it. I just love him. I just love her. Or sadly, I can't help it. I don't love her anymore. I can't help it. I don't love him anymore. As if love is uncontrollable. The Bible teaches us that love is two things. 
The first thing is that love is a choice. Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these, put on love, which binds them together. It's something that you put on. It's a decision that you make. You guys made a decision today. What shirt you were going to wear. What clothes you were going to wear. It's something that you put on. Love is a choice. You have a choice. It's the commitment to care. And it is controllable. You will love who you choose to love. And you will not love who you choose to not love. The second thing is that love is an action. It's something that you do. It's more than just feelings. It's more than just words. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us not love with words or tongue, but with action and truth. Love is something that you do. It's a behavior. It's not just talk. If love were just a feeling, all right, listen to this. If love were just something that you felt like doing, the Bible could not command you to do it. God could not command you to love. Have you ever tried to command a feeling? You can't do it. You can't command a feeling. The other day I did the dumbest thing that I've ever done as a father. My boys were beating each other up. All right, they're fighting. They're four and five years old and, and they're scrapping it out and, and, I, and I split them up. I put them on timeout. I gave them a little pow-pow in the booty and I told them, you don't get up from there. Sit in this rug they have in their room. You can't get up until you stop crying. Right, and my youngest son... He's super emotional, just like his mom. I mean, like me, like me. Um, and I told him, Joshua, just stop crying. Start smiling. You're thinking, Mark, you're a jerk. Right? Um, and I'm like, you, you can't go outside until you stop crying. Put a smile on your face. And he looked at me and said, Papi, I can't be happy because I'm very sad right now. You hurt my feelings. All right? You can't force a feeling. I was trying to force him to be something that he wasn't. Love is not a feeling. It's something that you do. And the same way that John told the church some 2,000 years ago, love one another. Love those that are attacking you. He's telling you and he's telling me today, love those that are attacking you. Love the people you don't like. Let's continue reading 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. It says, if someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we also have from him, that he who loves God must, must also love his brother. How do we do that? How can we love someone we don't like? How can we love someone that's hurting us? The first way is we got to experience God's love for ourselves. Experience God's love for yourself. See, I have this bad habit that I like to touch things. And if you're my friend, you're like, yeah, you do, Mark. I just, you know, I'm a touchy guy. And if I'm talking to you, I'll, I'll grab you by the shoulder. You know, I'll pat you. I'll, you know, punch you or whatever, just in a loving way. Um, if, if I see something that's hot, I want to know how hot it is. If I see something that's cold, I want to know how cold it is. All right, my wife... She likes to bake cookies every once in a while, and, and she'll say, oh, here, I baked some cookies, and, and, she, and she gets mad at me because I have to touch, like, every cookie before I eat it. I just want to make sure, like, which is the perfect soft one. I, I want to I experience it before I, like, eat it, all right? And, and the other thing I do that drives her crazy, she actually says she has four children, even though we have three kids. I don't know what she's talking about. And uh, if I ever see, like, a random switch somewhere, 
I need to know what kind of power that switch has. I want to experience it. And so we get somewhere, and, and she sees the look in my eyes. She's like, don't you even think about touching that thing. And I'm like, honey, I just, I just need to experience it. And that's what we need to do today. For us to be able to overcome these attacks and begin living the life that God has created us to live. For us to be able to love others, even those we don't like. We need to experience God's love for ourselves. Ephesians 3 says this, I pray that Christians will be more and more at home, that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart, living within you as you trust him. May your roots go deep into the soil of God's marvelous love, and may you be able to feel and understand how long, wide, deep, and high his love really is, and experience this love for yourself. All right, circle the words, feel and understand. God wants you not just to know that he loves you. All right, because we know that God loves us. All right, everybody, yeah, God loves the world. For God so loved the world. You know, Tim Tebow, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. All right, he wants you to feel it, to really feel it in your heart. And why is this so important? You know why? Because unloving people are unloved people. The people who are hurting you are people that on the inside, man, they're hurting themselves. They're falling apart on the inside. The people who are unloving, they're actually feeling unloved themselves. And before you can ever love anyone else, you have to understand how much God loves you and how much you yourself matter to God. The second thing we need to do is forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those who have hurt you. Colossians 3.13 says, Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Colossians 3.13. And why is this so important? Because it is impossible to love one person at the same time while hating somebody else and being full of resentment. You know what? I can't love my kids fully if I'm resenting my parents. I can't love my wife fully if I'm still reacting to a former relationship that I had, to a former girlfriend that I have. I can't love somebody and be resentful of somebody else at the same time. It is impossible because a bitter heart is a divided heart. A bitter heart is a divided heart. I've had people say to me, why can't I love my husband anymore? It's because you're still holding on to the past. I've had people say to me, why can't I love my wife anymore? It's because you're still reacting to something that happened in the past. You've got to let go. It's not fair to the people that are around you. You've got to let go. You know why? Because it is important. A divided heart is a resentful heart. You can't fully love somebody else if you're still reacting to something in the past. Experience God's love. You can't love your children the way that you really want to love your children because you're resenting your parents. You're resenting something that happened in the past. You can't love your wife. You can't love your husband, your fiance. You can't love them the way you really desire to love them. And you wonder, what's going on in this marriage? What's going on in this relationship? What's going on with my kids? You know why? Because you're resenting things that happened in the past. Jesus said this, love others. As I have loved you. How simple, yet how deep. And it's difficult to do this. 
because we're messed up people and Jesus still loves us. And unless you truly know how much Jesus loved you, you won't know how to love others. The third thing you need to do is you need to think loving thoughts. Change the way that you think. All right, because there's a lot of you, you know what, that on the outside, you're doing the right thing. Someone hurts you, and you're like, man, don't worry about it. But inside, you're thinking, man, I just want to run them over with my car. All right? Someone hurts your feelings, and in your head, he's such a jerk. I hate him. And you're thinking all this stuff in your head. And it's killing you on the inside. Philippians 2, 4 through 5 says, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too. And in what they are doing, your attitude should be the same kind that was shown to us by Jesus. You know what the problem is with us? Why we can't think loving thoughts? Because we're so caught up with ourselves. We're so worried about the way that I feel, the way that they made us feel. And you know what? It all boils down to selfishness. No one teaches us how to be selfish. It's in our DNA. My one-year-old daughter, we're teaching her how to talk. She says, Papi now. You have no idea how awesome that is. All right, when she sees me and she says, hi, papi, I'm like, oh, what do you want? A Ferrari? I'll get it for you. All right. I love it. And then we, we try to teach her how to count and we're trying to teach her the alphabet. She has no idea what she's doing, but we're just, you know, we want her to be smart. And we teach her all these things. We taught her how to walk. But you know what we didn't have to teach her? We didn't have to teach her to be selfish. She learned that all on her own. You know, when her little cousin comes over and her little cousin starts playing with her toys, her little cousin's two, she's one, she turns into a little chihuahua. She's like, ah, don't touch my stuff. All right, we didn't teach her that. She learned it all by herself. I'll read Philippians again to you. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too. And in what they're doing, your attitude should be the same kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ. You know how God's gonna teach you? how to be a loving person, how to be a real Christian, how to really love. He's going to put some real unloving people around you. It's real easy to love those that are just like you, to love the people that you like. But God's going to teach you real love by putting you around unloving people. How do you learn to think loving thoughts towards those kinds of people? You know how? You begin to focus on what's hurting them. What's going on in their life? What's producing this attitude? What are their problems? What are their needs? You say, what's hurting them? What's going on in their life? You just don't think about your own life, but you begin to ask, man, what's going on? What's going on in their house? They're probably acting like that because something is happening in their life. A feeling in your outline is that hurt people hurt people. When somebody's hurting you, it's because they're hurting on the inside. It's because they're falling apart on the inside. You see, it's easier to love them when you look beyond the hurtful things that they're doing and you see the hurt that is happening in their heart. Then you can begin to love them. The fact is that those who deserve your love the least are the ones that need it the most. They need massive doses of love so that they can overcome and restore their heart, restore their relationships, restore their lives. They need you. They're hurting you, but what they really need is you, is for you to love them. Most of us, however, we're not interested in that. We're interested in loving people that love us. We're interested in loving the people that love us back. But you know what? Our thoughts determine the way that we feel. And the way that we feel determines the way that we act. And if I'm acting unloving, it's because I feel unloving. 
But if I'm feeling loving, it's because I'm thinking loving thoughts. All right, if you start thinking, you know what? I love this person, and I'm going to treat them like if I love them. If you change the way that you think, it will automatically change the way that you feel. And you don't try to force your feelings. That doesn't work. You have to see it from their perspective. You have to become sympathetic. And then the feelings will change. And then you'll see how it'll be a lot easier to love someone because, man, they're going through a real tough time. And they don't really mean that. They're just crying for help. The fourth thing that we need to do is we need to begin acting in a loving way. We need to start acting in a loving way. Luke 6 says this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. You're thinking like, Pastor Mark, I can't do that, man. I can't do that. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Am I supposed to love someone and act loving if I don't really think that? If I don't really feel that way? How can I do that? You have no idea. They don't deserve my love. You have no idea what I've been through. You know, you, you grew up here in the States or you grew up with your mom and your dad. I didn't. You have no idea the school that I went through, the, the hardships that I've gone through, the people that have hurt me. I can't do it. Love them. That's not hypocritical. Loving in advance. Love them by faith. The Bible, we just learned that, that while we were still sinners, God loved us. Even though we were full of junk, that our life was messed up, God looked at us and said, you know what, I don't care about that. The Bible teaches us that when God forgives us, he doesn't remember. It says that our sins have been thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. God's not here to judge us. God's here to forgive us. And he's saying, you know what, live your life that way. Stop keeping grudges. Love by faith. That's one of the most powerful things that you can do. And one of the most important things that I can tell you today is that it's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. Even though you don't feel like it, you act like you love them and the feelings will come. Some husbands say, well, I'll feel considerate and loving towards my wife when, when it just feels right. You know what? Hell will freeze over before your feelings change. Start acting that way and your initiatives will change your feelings. Sometimes wives say, you know what? I'll be more romantic with my husband when it, when it just feels right. Start acting romantic towards your husband. It's not going to happen if you're just waiting for the feelings to be right. Some of you are struggling in your marriage right now and you're waiting for the feelings of romance to come back. They're not going to come. All right, they're not just going to pop up in your bedroom one night or, or pop up over dinner one night. It's not just going to happen. You need to start acting that way and the feelings will come back. You have to change it by first changing the way that you think and that will change your feelings. Change the way that you act and that will change your feelings too. You know what happens when we do this? You indirectly change your feelings. You begin acting in loving ways. The fifth thing that you need to do, this is a tough one, is you need to expect the best from them. Expect the best from the people you don't like. Expect the best from the people that hate you, the people that are persecuting you. But, but you're like, that's not the way that I think. That's not what I was taught when I was in sports. That's not what my parents taught me. That, this is the talk of the insane. What are you talking about, Mark? How can I expect the best from someone that's hurting me? How can I expect the best from someone that scarred me for life? Expect the best from them. See, 
What we do is the opposite. You know, if someone that we don't trust or someone that's hurt us, they're going to do something we expect the worst. We're like, oh, he's involved. This is going to be garbage. This is going to fall apart. We expect the worst. You know, that goes completely against the teachings of God. First Corinthians 13, 7 says, if you love somebody, you will always believe in him and always expect the best of him. You know what? We don't live our lives that way. We don't tend to live that way. My kids, they think they have superpowers. I mean, they're four and five, so they have a big imagination. But they think they're superheroes. You know why? Because every day I tell them, you're awesome. Every day I tell them, you're strong. You're smart. You're fast. You can do anything. I believe in you. And last weekend, we're in the Keys, and and we're swimming in this beach, and some guy screams, there's a shark in the water. All right, and we were actually out of the water. We were drinking some soda, you know, eating some sandwiches and stuff. And my four-year-old grabbed his mask and a snorkel and went running towards the water. And I'm like, Joshua, what are you doing? He's like, I want to go see the shark. And that's because every day I tell him that he's awesome. Every day I tell him he could do anything, that he's brave, that he's strong. I'm speaking life into him. I'm expecting the best out of him. I'm telling him that he's awesome, even though he still pees in his pull-up every night and he's four years old. I'm telling him he's awesome, even though he bites his brother. I'm telling him he could do any, I'm speaking life into him. Dads, if you want your kids to change, stop telling them that they're dumb. Do you think that that's going to make them any smarter? Ladies, if you keep telling your husband, you know, you're just so lazy. You're this bum. You're just on the couch all the time. You don't help me. You think that's going to give him some initiative? That's not going to make him change. Labeling people only reinforces negativity. It never changes anyone. Nagging, it doesn't work. You speak positively to people. If you want to change yourself, you want to change your family, you want to change your husband, you want to change your wife, treat them the way you want them to become. Expect the best from them. Raise the level of expectation. Watch people blossom. All right, you're going to see your kids and your family change. The people that are hurting you change as you begin to affirm them and treat them the way you expect them to act. You may be here today, and man, you're hurting. You're like, man, Mark, uh, I'm hearing all this stuff, but, but there's something that's going on inside of me. I have all this resentment, and I hear all these things, and they sound good, but, but my, my family's falling apart. You know, you have no idea what my mom did to me. You have no idea what my dad did to me. He was never there. I never had the love of a father. You have no idea what it felt like when my husband left me for another woman. You have no idea what it felt like when my wife cheated on me with one of my friends. Mark, I have all this resentment and this hate and they deserve it. And you're living your life with a divided heart. Maybe you're here today and you're like, Mark, man, my whole life, you have no idea. When I was in elementary school, in middle school, in high school, people were just making fun of me and hurting me all the time. And and I'm this bitter person. That's not God's plan for your life to live that way. We've all been hurt. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. But we need to let go of that pain. 
God loves you and he wants to give you a fresh start. God wants your relationships to blossom. You're wondering why, man. Every time you date someone, it just falls apart. You've maybe gone from marriage to marriage to marriage and, and it just falls apart and it falls apart and it's because you're holding on to the past. Let go of the past. God's, God's asking us to love the way that he loved us. Imagine if God kept a tally of every single bad thing that we've ever done. That's not how God loves. He could not be God. It says that God is love. Then he would not be God if he was keeping tabs on us. And the reason that God's saying love your enemies is not because he wants us to have a tough life. It's not because he wants us to be weirdos. He wants us to go against the flow and and get, you know, people think that we're crazy. God's telling us this because he wants us to be free. God's telling us this because he wants us to be happy. You know what? There's a lot of you here that love your kids, but you you can't really love them the way that you really want to love them and you don't understand. And it's because you're holding on to the things of the past. Some of you, man, I tell my wife I love her every day. And Mark, yeah, you know, the whole thing about, you know, just, just thinking positively. And I tell her I love her, but I don't really love her that much. Or, or I tell him that I love him, but man, he drives me nuts. I can't stand him. Let go of the past. Let go of the past. As we're here today, God wants to give you an opportunity to have a fresh start. Some of you are probably, you've been Christians for a super long time. And yet you feel like, man, there's this thing. I, I don't feel God anymore. Sometimes I pray and I have no idea what happens with my prayers. Because change doesn't happen. I'm still unhappy. I still feel empty. I still kind of feel like I'm just going through the motions. It's because you're holding on to resentment in your heart. You're remembering all the stuff that's gone on in your life. Man, some of you are married and you've stayed married, but, but your spouse hurt you and you don't let it go. It's time to change. It's time for us to have a fresh start. And I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, Mark, you know what? I need to change. You know what? I need to start loving those that hurt me. It's true. They were going through a tough time. They were hurt themselves. I need to love people the way Jesus loved me. So if you bow your heads, I just want to pray with you. Maybe you're here with your husband or your wife, and there's stuff that's happened, and just hold their hand as we pray. And I believe that today your life will change forever if you decide to live differently and to love those that have hurt you, to love those that, man, you don't really like that much, but you love them anyways. So let's pray. Dear God, I come before you right now. And I pray for every single person in this room. We've all been hurt. Give us the courage, the will to rip some of these things that we've been holding inside of our hearts. Just rip them out. Get rid of them and forgive. And let go. Help us, Jesus. We want to be real Christians. In Jesus' name we pray.